gentlemen welcome to the double up podcast episode 43 i got a special special guest with me my brother ac antavius co antavius coast let me not mispronounce the brother name antavius been doing some great things since day one you know what i'm saying made his way from playing d1 ball and now he's one of the top top marketing executives holding it down at the biggest agency caa in the whole world not just this nation in the whole world so Brother making moves, man. So we're going to really unlock his journey, tap into some of the keys that's made him successful, and see what we can learn throughout the way. So I'm going to bring AC into the stream. Make sure we all good. AC, can you hear me, bro? Yeah, I hear you just fine. How you doing? All good, man. Appreciate you making time for us, man. Most definitely, most definitely glad to be on. Yeah, yeah. how you living? Man, I'm good. Life is good. Um, you know, just blessed, man. Blessed to you know, be on the platform on my own and being able to help the next generation um, and guide them in the right direction. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. I feel like we, we put a little pressure on ourselves to demonstrate that excellence. You know what I'm saying? Black excellence is a trend right now. And it's not to be taken lightly, but it does cause a little anxiety sometimes. So what what's some of the things you're doing to make sure that you stay stress-free and you're able to be productive in your leadership? Man, a lot of praying. <laughs> but um, now I think being able to just slow down sometimes. I think, you know, when I, um, you know, just first came into the industry, I was just moving so fast and not you know, necessarily taking my time and being able to slow down and digest information, being able to slow down and learn from others, and being able to reciprocate what they've done and learn from those experiences. So, man, just being able to slow down, man, because there's so much, um, you know, that comes at you on a daily basis. So, again, just being able to make sure I'm slowing down, going through my process um, and making sure I'm doing, you know, everything to the best of my abilities on a day in and day out basis no that's facts that's facts g and i know coming from where you came from that that sense of grit that perseverance is, is kind of instilled in you early man so you mind telling the folks about your hometown and what it was like in your household in terms of the morals and things you was brought up under oh yeah i'm originally from greenwood south carolina um, small town um, so just to kind of give you guys an idea of where Greenwood is. So if you're familiar with Greenville, South Carolina, or Spartanburg, it's near those two um, cities. So um, grew up blended family. Um, I have three younger sisters um, that I love dearly. And, man, my, my dad is my best friend, my role model. Um, I watch him just work so hard, 
over the years growing up, um, along with my mom and stepmom, that all I knew was hard work, um, no excuses. So, you know, that was instilled in me at an early age, because at the end of the day, it's about, you know, what type of solutions can you provide to help the next person, but also better yourself at the same time. So my family did a great job just instilling, you know, those things in me early. Just make sure, I, you know, understood hard work, understood how to work smart and not hard, um, and just being respectful to it at the end of the day. So, yeah, so I was I, I have no regrets on my upbringing. And like I said, it made me who I am. Nah, that's real, man. I know being in South Carolina, that's, that's the South, you know what I'm saying? So you got some country roots. Is there anything memorable that you remember that you knew made you different than them city boys that kind of gave you not an advantage, but a different view at life? Like, was there something you had to do coming up or was this somewhere that you remember visiting in the South that was like, nah, this is going to prepare me for life that y'all ain't really understand in the city? Man, I think just, and this is a different generation now, I think, man, just growing up outside man like waking up in the morning going outside playing into the sun go down doing it every day especially during the summer kids in the neighborhood and you know your cousins and siblings and stuff you you just don't see that now and i think that's one thing that the generation today is missing at least the younger generation and that includes my boys they just don't play outside enough like i can look outside now and don't see any kids like so that's something I meant, you know, we grew we grew up on, on doing that and that that really helped us understand the social dynamic, but also how to how to carry yourself around others and how to adapt to different personalities, you know, and all that stuff right there transitions into workplace, it transitions into whatever your day-to-day is if you're an entrepreneur or if you're in the corporate environment. Those things are I think those are essential coming up and that's what the younger generations is missing because everything is technology driven. They're either on computers, their own iPads, phones, and a lot of them are losing touch with being outdoors and being a kid. Yeah, nah. The new outside is just going to the club or to the parties, you know what I'm saying? We outside like that, but <laughs> it ain't a lot of people that's really tapping in and keeping those social interactions so that you know Life ain't just lived on the internet, you feel me? Exactly. Deal with the people, mm-hmm. and that's how you have relationships that take you to the next phase of life, man. So I know you was able to achieve what a lot of people see as a dream playing D1 ball. What do you think separated you in high school, you know, that made you the one that they said, hey, we gotta we gotta come and, and, and get one of them? I'm talking Georgia Bulldogs. We ain't talking no uh no low key programs. I don't know. Was everybody after you, or how, how did you kind of make that leap to playing D one instead of just being another guy to play football? Yeah, I actually, man, I, um, just my sports story in general was kind of funny because the first sport I played and fell in love with was baseball. So I actually played baseball for probably twelve years, um, but I slowly ended up growing out of it. The older I got because it wasn't the cool sport, so to speak. And all my friends weren't playing it, um, but all of us played football together. So I think as I transitioned into high school, 
Um, and then started practicing more with the varsity and stuff. And then went into my sophomore year, played varsity. Um, and then I started getting offers. So I think I ended up having like 36 offers or something like that. Um, and I ended up committing to Georgia after my junior year in high school. Um, yeah. It was just me. I knew, I knew for one, the most important thing I knew, I didn't want my parents to have to pay for college. Because if that was going to be the case, then I probably wouldn't have the, I wouldn't have been able to go to college um, from the financial um, dynamic. But so, no, I just worked my tail off, man, and just tried to, you know, make sure I separated myself from everybody else. And it's something that, you know, I challenge myself to do on a daily basis is continue to find creative and innovative ways to separate myself from my competition. Um, and I've been doing that even since I played, you know, football. So I think that's something that helped me tremendously. No doubt. Would you say that being a being an athlete that's 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 trying to make it to that next level, G, because you probably see it all the time, these youngest like, man, yeah, I'm going D1, D1 on the bus. Like, was your experience playing at this big time program what you expected? Or in hindsight, do you feel like maybe you was 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 more caught up in the glitz and glamour as opposed to what was right for you? Man, I actually I I struggled initially when I went to Georgia. So that would have been the summer of 2005. I was, I struggled probably that first semester or so coming from, like I said, a small town, going into an environment like that. Everybody on your team is just as good, if not better than you are. And then you got to factor in the social dynamic too, um, because it's a PWI and you have, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages to going to a big school like that. And it took me a while to adjust, but I think, you know, after I adjusted and, you know, got all my ducks in a row and understood how to be a true student athlete um, and being able to uphold my academics along with, you know, the commitment from football, um, I, I mean, I, it was no looking back then. So I ended up um, getting two degrees in three years. Uh, and... You know, it was it opened my eyes a lot. I think with college is helping me build my network, helping me create those relationships that I still have to this day. Still keep in touch with a lot of my teammates that I played with, um, and it was just something that really changed my life for the better. Because college, it made me want to see more of the world. It made me want to, you know, meet different people in different, you know, um, careers or professions. Um, and I knew at that point, even after I stopped playing and, you know, with my injuries, I just wanted more. Like I wanted to continue to learn more. I wanted to continue to learn how this person was able to be successful, what what things, what failures, and, you know, what lessons did they have along the way and how did they, you know, adjust to it. Um, so I did a lot of soul searching. I did a lot of uh, communicating with you know, people who weren't necessarily athletes, um, and I just wanted to just take something from them, just be able to take something from them. Um, and, it, and it just helped me open my, my eyes and my mindset and just be able to think differently uh, from everybody else. No, nah, that's real, because what we are exposed to kind of plants that seed to what we see ourselves being able to walk into. Mm -hmm. We don't have anybody really 
either take us under their wing or just demonstrate it from a distance, it's not something we see as tangible. Right. So to take it a, a step back, how important was it for you to have a, a father figure in your life? And do you do you see how nowadays with that not being the norm for our youngins, that that really it, it, it's, it's making a, a tremendous negative impact on our community? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, man, I, I I couldn't imagine not, you know, being uh, raised and having a father in the house um, just because, you know, your, your your father, they instill the discipline, they instill the hard work, they instill the type of values you have to have as a man, as a husband, you know, as a brother, everything. So that's something that you know, I was just fortunate enough to have, but I've, I mean, I deal with, you know, whether it's my players or potential clients or whatever, I deal with situations where there's no father in the house. And some of them, depending on their maturity level and, you know, how they were able to adapt to those situations, some turn out fine and, you know, they're very successful and doing well. Some of them, you know, they have struggles and it takes them longer to get on the path to success. So, but at, at the end of the day, I mean, that's, that's one of those things you can't control. It's all about, you know, how do you deal with the cars that you built? How do you find ways to, you know, not make excuses and still achieve success? Um, and those are the, you know, I'm always here for people who want to be great regardless of what their story is and if it's, you know, being raised by a single mother and they want to, you know, do something to learn or something, I'm always, you know, an open book for, for those type of guys. Yeah, and that's that's what's needed as well because there are a lot more brothers stepping up and holding it down for the family and it does really take a village and so the more of us that back then and and taking these youngins under the wing and making sure that they stand on the right path, it, it really breaks the cycle of us not being the leaders in our family that we're supposed to. To, right. to get to the, the the not the end of your college career, but just the end of you seeing the NFL as your journey. What was what was that mind state like, man? Because I know when when I first went through my injury and I knew that was probably going to be my last shot uh, playing ball. It was it was a dark space, and right? It's right. Transition from that sometimes for a lot of guys. Do you remember how you was able to work through that? Man, yeah, I remember. I never forget it because I remember my story. Again, my story was different because I had a scholarship and I committed to Georgia um, after my junior year. Like I said, but going into my senior year, I took tour my ACL, my the fourth game of the season in my senior year. So that was it. I was done. So it wasn't like now when guys coming back from the ACL. Nah, yeah, it was a, it was a lot different um, from just, you know, with the technology and how medicine and stuff is now is different. So I did that, end up rehabbing, coming back, and then I got injured again in um, fall camp, heal an ACL, and then I ended up rehabbing from that another year. I tore my right one a week. I tore my right knee a week before our first game. But then, like, I was never – I really was never the same after the first one. Like, I wasn't the same player mentally or physically. 
still was a good player, but I wasn't a great player. So that I, I struggled with depression. I struggled with, uh, you know, I was isolated. I used to isolate myself a lot in the room. And that's what I'm saying. I was struggling academically just because I didn't understand, you know, why would this happen to me? I've never been injured. I did all this work for all, all these years. And I get to the point where I basically had to stop playing the game that I love, the game that got me to, got me, you know, a college scholarship, that got me, you know, to where I wanted to be. But still, I fell short of my dreams of going to the NFL. And after I toured the second time, I knew, like, okay, I need to start taking my academics seriously. So I buckled down and I ended up, um, like I said, I graduated um, from facts at UGA Family and Consumer Sciences, got a bachelor's in that, and then I ended up going straight into grad school um, in the School of Kinesiology. And I um, earned a master's in sports management and policy. Um, and after that, you know, I just start, you know, paving my own way after that. So I never really feel the void of not playing football anymore. I so-called just created kind of a new way for myself. So instead of feeling the void, I just completely removed myself and started, and I just say I started over. I just reinvented, I reinvented myself. I, I uh, reinvented my mind, my way of thinking, uh, changed a lot of stuff that I was so used to doing over the years to just going back to what I said earlier, just slowing down and being able to dissect everything around me and be like, hey, this is your new life now. How are you going to take advantage of it without, you know what I'm saying, leaning on football, without leaning on coaches, without leaning on all that type of stuff. And, you know, by the grace of God, I was able to, you know, just find a way. And I'm still, you know, I'm still as hungry. I'm still as competitive. I'm still as, you know, creative as I was. You know, when I first started. So I'm just blessed, man. Like, I know you were saying how you completely removed yourself from it, but I know you brought that same competitiveness. Oh, yeah. That regret and that same sense of just, I got to get it done. Because just because ball ain't working, don't mean that the same things that you want for your family and for yourself ain't still to go. Like, yeah. I got to pivot now. I got to go another route, but I can't. Be laxed. People, right. people don't take into account sometimes. They say how football players got rich and, and making all this money. You literally play ball from some some kids seven mm-hmm. until like 21, 22. Then right. maybe they finally get paid for it. So, so if you think about that, man, that's like years and decades of work put into a crab to make that type of money. And so it, it's not going to be the same in other industries, I mean, it's not going to be different in other industries. You're going to have to put in some time, some grit, some effort, pay your dues before you get into that bread and make it to the top of the top and wherever you see yourself on that ladder. When you started to say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put these degrees together. I'm going to make some shape outside of playing ball. Was 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 this position at CAA, like, was this a, a goal on the board or was this something that kind of, navigated itself through life depending on different opportunities you had man it really was a little bit of both to be honest i mean it was 
being able to be in a position to work for the number one agency, sports agency in the world was a goal. Um, but I think me, you know, having the relationships and the mentors in place, um, you know, my boss, Tori Dandy, who has been my mentor for almost eight years now, still continues to mentor me to this day. You know, I was his first hire. Um, he got promoted to co-head of football at CAA. So that just kind of said a lot of, you know, from him understanding my hard work, uh, from him understanding the relationships that I have in the industry with, you know, brands and the and the and my clients and how we connect. Um, he, you know, he saw that I would be an asset for um, CAA immediately. And, it's been, you know, the relationship has been awesome ever since. So it'll be a year for me coming up in August. So I'm excited. Um, we we're continuing to do great things in CAA. We're continuing to bring, you know, um, innovative people in. We're continuing to, you know, grow the company in the right direction. So, I mean, I'm just, again, man, I'm just blessed to be in the position to um, help others, but also, um, you know, be a role model to some as well. Oh, that's real. Shout out to Tori, man. Tori, good people, for real. Great guy. Yeah, Great guy. Favorite people. Yeah, I met him out here in, in AZ at Exos a couple yeah, times. Yeah. Uh -huh. Every time we connected, it was always good energy. I see him taking care of his clients like family. And so oh, yeah. I know that it's probably the same vibes with you, family. Mm -hmm. He vibes all the time. When 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 you you was coming up, did you kind of know what well, let me let me take a step back because I want to give you my perspective on this from 10,000 foot view, because I think it's important for us to recognize that. Tory, he had to do some grinding himself. Mm -hmm. He had to pave a way. Somebody probably opened the door for him at one point, and he knew, all right, I got to do the same thing when it's a youngin coming up that I recognize that got a lot of talent or a lot right. of ambition, and he gave you that opportunity. For you, as a as a black man and somebody that's in a, in a fraternity, you know what I'm saying? It's the, it's, it's the right year, the wrong colors, you know what I'm saying? Hey man, it's only it's only it's only one. You know what I'm saying? But we'll talk. We can talk about that another day. <laughs> but, but how important is it to to look out for your brother's fraternity or not? Man, it's. I mean, man, it's a brotherhood, man. I mean, I've a lot of my best friends and guys who I will, you know put my life in their hands are some of my close chapter brothers and the guys that do exceptionally well in their professions. Um, and it's also, it's also cool because you have those close relationships, but they're all, a lot of them are in different industries, whether it's in, you know, you know, whether they're in medicine or technology or entrepreneurship, everybody is kind of just killing it in their own respective ways so we're all we all kind of have you know the competitive nature and compete with each other just not just necessarily saying from a success standpoint just to be able to be better people and be um you know better uh role models for, for the younger generation so even you know from a philanthropic side just being able to give back uh being able to try to come up with ways to encourage the the, the youth to you know, be leaders um, and not follow, you know, whatever you're being or seeing, come up with your own way. You know, it's nothing, it's nothing wrong with taking a leap of faith. It's nothing wrong with failure. You know, I tell, I tell my sons that all the time. I mean, you're going to fail, but it's all about 
what did for one, what did you learn from it? Yeah. And two, making sure you don't make that mistake again. So you know, those type of things are, are the life lessons that you know we try to instill in the youth. Nah, that's facts, man. We yeah. are brothers keeper, like straight up. That's how you yeah. gotta live your life. Right. You kind of break down exactly what it is you do at CAA in terms of being in marketing for, for somebody who just wouldn't even know what your position entails. Yeah, so basically kind of to sum it up. So man, I have a lot of great relationship with some of the top brands in the world. Um, so when my clients are looking for various endorsements or, or looking for ways to expand their off the field brand, um, I navigate, filter, um, negotiate, um, handle all that stuff for them. So when you see um, players on commercials or players, players doing, you know, things with various uh, Fortune 500 companies or they're doing different things with restaurants that you see on social media or on TV. I help execute those from beginning to the end. So that's what I do on a kind of a day-to-day basis, along with continuing to build relationships, build new relationships that, you know, are for you know, the greater good and for, you know, the betterment of my clients and also you know, for me, from a business standpoint, because in the end of the day, it's all about who you know, not what you know. My pops told me it ain't just who you know, but who know you. Yeah, you know? That, that too. And that's that's the yeah. other twist to it. Yeah, because yeah. everybody in your Rolodex, you know what I'm saying, is they actually answering your calls? You know what I'm saying? Right. That's the that's, that's <laughs> point, man. So right, right. When, when we think about that aspect, a lot of people will say that's the agent. Like I thought coming up, the agent handled the deals mm-hmm. for football and handled the deals off the field. So, so right. how would you explain the difference between them? Well, basically, so give you an example, the agent, the contract agent handles the contract. So they handle everything from the on the field piece. So being able to negotiate the contract, being able to restructure the contracts, all that type of stuff is handled by the in-house agent at that particular agency. Um, so in this case, like we were just talking about Tory, for example, Tory is a contract agent. So myself, I'm a marketing agent. So everything from an off the field standpoint, that will be directed towards myself. Gotcha. So do you, did you have to get registered as an agent or anything like that? No, I honestly, I don't. Um, well, I didn't, but the NFLPA has, um, they have, they have a database of all the, um, NFL, PA licensed marketing agents, so to speak. Um, and that's just something you go on to the website and just complete that information and submit everything over to the PA and they'll put you in their system. So then, for an example, like a player that I may have, if they want to go in there, like the NFL, PA can go in and look up that player. And if the NFL, PA has a sponsor, that wants to work with that particular player, they'll go in and look it up, see my name, they'll reach out to me directly, and then I kind of take everything from there to be able to get that deal done. Got you, got you. So does your position, is it the same rules in terms of the NCAA as agents? Um, It's a little different because technically I can, since I'm not a contract agent, I can I can talk and have relationships with players and families. Of course, and still can't pay for anything because that's illegal. But 
I can still, you know, call players and and um, have relationships with the parents that are in the players that are at a collegiate level. Gotcha. Now, is that changing or shifting with the new NIL rules that's been pushed through the NCAA, or is it still more we waiting today pros before CAA touching them? Yeah, I still well now it's definitely changing because now with the with the um, NIL situation, the name, the name, image, and likeness, um, players are being um, communicated with by people other than myself. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a contract agent, but it may be representatives of whatever particularly particular company or agency um, that wants to work on their behalf. Because you may see you see. Independent companies, you see, you know, smaller um, firms doing NIL, NIL to get involved in that type of stuff. From CAA's perspective, we are, um, with it being so many different rules and regulations, we're being more conservative and, and kind of being passive on how we approach, you know, the market and how we approach negotiation with these college kids because you just don't know how this is going to look three to six months from now. So we want to make sure we're being you know, reactive instead of just jumping out there, um, you know, and messing up, you know, the eligibility of a player or putting something, you know, out there that may not be um, factual. Um, so I think we're handling it the right way because some things, I mean, like I said, it changes every day. So you just don't want to jump out there with so much uncertainty. No, that's facts. And I feel like y'all the big dog. So of course, it's, it's like, let me see the field. Let me see how everything play right. out. I always get to wasting my bread and just throwing this Joe Schmosen money who y'all said was going to be a five-star. He ain't going nowhere. He ain't going to be the one. But right. do, do you think a lot of kids are getting over over anxious or over ambitious with this NIL? Or, or do you really see it as being the game changer that everybody projects it to be? Man, I've seen, I've seen it all from – being anxious from being, you know, some players don't want to deal with it and they kind of pass it off. Um, so it's really going to be interesting to see how it plays out with football when the season actually starts. Um, and because it's just going to be different because you're going to have players who are going, you know, be like, the, may, may take off like Devontae Smith did, may do certain things. And, you know, now their likeliness is going through the roof and it wasn't, you know, before the season. So, I think the field will definitely shift in terms of which which players are going to rise to the top, uh, which brands are going to be working with all these different athletes. Uh, because everybody, of course, we all know everybody isn't going to get compensated or, or get the same deals or notoriety that a lot of these quarterbacks or, or players in premium positions will be getting. Um, but I think at the end of the day, like I continue to tell the parents and players that we, we deal with, you want to you want to have a long term approach with it. I mean, because you don't want to do anything to jeopardize not only the eligibility, but also the brand. The um, you don't want to do anything that'll hurt the player from a long term standpoint. Even before they get ready to go into the league and really build their brand, you don't want anything nil related to hurt that. And to be that could potentially set a player back. They could potentially have different brands and different opportunities um, not be on the table because it was, you know, they made a mistake or something or something happened that, you know, gave them a bad name. So 
that's what I kind of that's what I've been telling parents. Not just we just want to take that long term approach and just slow play this thing. Nah, that's real. That's real. This ain't no get rich quick scheme. You know, nah. you got to really look at it with that marathon approach. Do right. you, as a marketing advisor, speaking a long term, is there ever opportunities for for players to get equity in these brand partnerships, or is it usually just an upfront payment and then you you can go from there? Yeah, it, it just depends. It depends on one the platform of the player, and then two what type of company or brand. It is some some deals do include equity, and a lot of those type of deals are somewhat with startup companies. So the companies that can't afford potentially to pay a player what their market value is, they'll throw in equity within the company. Um, and you know that could be that equity piece goes either way. Some companies paying out, some don't. Um, so that's why you always want to try to get some type of um, cash compensation. Up front, or sometime during the duration of that contract, just to protect that back end. Yeah, so I have a little bit of both. It's like a contract. I'm gonna get that, yeah. that signing bonus, and I'm gonna get my salary check. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's where that's important for players to be mindful of because mm-hmm. everybody is talking about getting your equity. Sometimes that equity don't pan out how you think it's gonna pan out. Nope. Sometimes the company ain't in the red. I mean, it ain't in the green. It's in the red, so they ain't got right. no check for you. And so right. That's always be mindful of man mm-hmm. the, the thing about your position that i think is, is is dope too is it's been a lot of push especially over 2020 to this point yeah empowerment of our community and building up black brands and black businesses have you seen either players or um businesses tilt more towards those opportunities or is it something that you think it was more fluffed in actual execution? Um, man, I, you can say either one. I think you probably hit the nail on the head just because brands and companies, when I try to tell people, you, you have, I mean, whether it's the kids in college or the players in the league, they think just because they like a brand, that brand is going to work with them regardless. It doesn't necessarily work like that. So these brands are very selective. These brands are going to work with who they want to work with because at the end of the day, what you got to remember, they're paying you. They're paying you for a service. So they're going to be selective for who they're getting money to. Um, But also one thing I try to encourage my players to find brands and um, let's collectively come up with a game plan so you're organically growing that relationship um, with the brands. You just don't want to jump on every big brand and you know probably hit every one out of ten. Like, find let's find some brands that you truly like and you know can be creative with and, and kind of grow um, and have a long term relationship with. Nah, that's that's real because it ain't about what what you want as a player. It's what makes sense for this business. You know, yeah, what I'm saying? it's all about the business at the end of the day. Straight up, G. Yeah, because I mean, these the companies want to see, you know, they want to see that ROI go through the roof. They want to be able to see, okay, if I'm paying them, what are we getting in return? You know, are, are we getting, you know, more views on our page? Are we getting, you know, more foot traffic to our website? Are we getting more products sold? Like, it has to be some type of return for them to invest, you know, north of six figures or whatever it may be in, in into that particular place. Yeah, Jen, y'all talking big deals over at CAA. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Usually nothing that's 
not not worth the time. And so what would you say to people who are not advocates of the big brands and saying that, oh, you should go with the small companies or the smaller agencies? Now that you've actually been a part of a big company like CAA, I know you got to be a little biased, you know, you work there, so you got to say the right things. But yeah, but I mean, I started, I mean, I've been, you know, I work with a smaller company before CAA. I've, so I've seen, you know, both sides now. Okay. Um, so definitely from my perspective, CAA, the most, one of the most attractive things about CAA in that, it was the reason I wanted to come on board. Is just, I mean, it, it opens up so many doors, not only for you from a career standpoint, but from a growth standpoint. I'm basically in a position where my growth, my growth isn't capped. Like I can grow as much as I want to grow within the company in whatever direction I want to go into. If it's right now, it's football. Who knows? Five years later, I may be in entertainment. I may be over here, but everything is under. The CAA umbrella. Yeah. So it's so many different opportunities and things that I can be able to dive into and learn more about. Um, and I think that's, that's something that separates a company like ours versus some of the more smaller companies that really just kind of one trick pony, just really focused on one thing, which is fine because that's something that works for them. But I think, you know, when you're looking for long term, Growth and success definitely working for the bigger agency has, uh, you know, perks too. Uh, that's that's facts, G, because I done seen both sides when it comes to being at a small division two school and playing yeah. in the NFL. So I know resources are what you make of them. You mm-hmm. got a lot of resources, some people wield them and don't do the right things, but you can wield them wisely and do some great things for your people. Right. And yeah. uh, the last thing I want to end on, man, because I don't want to take up your night. I know you a, a, a newly newborn in the crib, man. So what what has that been like for you in terms of having a child just fresh? And, and, and has it changed the outlook on, on life right now? And how are you just kind of managing your day to day? Um, It is a third. The third is different. You know, this, third. Is third, this is a third boy. I <laughs> got a 10 year old son two-year-old son and the newborn so i'm i'm just blessed to have three boys first off and then i kind of joke with people and say i just hope one of them is worth 30 million one day so <laughs> but, one, of y'all gonna get right, man. <laughs> <laughs> one of y'all i know one of y'all gonna hit but uh nah but man i'm i'm, I'm loving it um you know they it, it just makes me want to work harder makes me want to you know, just be a better father for them and, and have, you know, them <clears throat> have them look up to me and being able to want to potentially maybe do what I do or do something differently. But at the end of the day, I just want them to be the best person they can be. And, and for me, just being able to provide that support and the resources, you know, and being able to help them reach their goals and dreams. I think that's something that I'm looking forward to the most. No, that's facts. I, I definitely salute you, man. Being a, now three-time father being somebody that came from a, a small town accomplished some some big goals and you still ascending man so i know right. there's, there's many more blessings on the way for you i uh, appreciate your time truly bro. Is, there, is there anything else you want to leave the people with before we log off nah man i'm just like i said blessed um to be in a position i'm in and, and thank you for having me on 
And, um, you know, let's continue to uplift our communities. Let's continue to um, give back to our communities and also just be better um, for each other. Man. Yes, sir. That's facts, man. So shout out to our brands. Real is rare. It's not just a brand. It's a fact. Alkaline activated, man. I'm going to have to send you a juice pack, man. We got the juice bar out here. It's flourishing, G. So it's hey man, send it. Yeah, you gotta send it to me. I got you, man. Anytime you in Phoenix, you gotta pull up on me, man. I'm gonna show you a good time around the city, all that, man. Most definitely. That's a bet, man. To all our listeners, appreciate y'all tapping in. Till next time, we're gonna double up.